Now, Birdsong, fun and fascinating talk about the top stories in today's headlines. Birdsong may just be the most qualified talk show host in the business, thanks to his many careers in law, government, and education. Here's your host, Leonard Birdsong. Hello, listeners. This is Birdsong back with you on the radio. So good to be here. Got a good show for you today from what I call the white women acting badly file, we have something new. A story about a Houston socialite who berated a mixed couples at their baby's birthday party. Then there's a viral video of the argument. What we have here is a lady who lives in the upper uh, uh, upscale neighborhood of Houston. Her name is Francie Neely. She's a socialite and the ex-wife of Houston Astros baseball team owner Jim Crane. She um, lives near a park, which is a public park, and people, it's very, as I understand it, very, how would you say, very nice, has lawns and trees, and people come there for weddings and birthdays, and people take photographs. On this particular day, which was um, February 16th of this year, she got into an argument with a mixed-race couple who were taking photographs, and actually they had a photographer, taking photographs of their one-year-old child, the first professional photographs he ever had. Miss Neely argued, you shouldn't be here, you shouldn't be on the grass, and uh, she was unhappy about them being in her park. Uh, the baby's father, his name is Isaiah Allen, made a complaint about her. As a matter of fact, he said that he and his wife were taking pictures of their baby when the woman approached, yelled at them, and told them to get off the grass. Alan also said that the woman struck him on his arm and hand before leaving the scene. Now, he took a video of what she was saying. The mother went on and said the whole thing started when she yelled from her car, that is Miss Neely, yelled, that you brought these people into our neighborhood. At this point, the lady stomped out of the car toward the baby and started aggressively trying to remove the props placed around her by the professional photographer. The baby was terrified by her aggression, started to scream, and started crawling away from her into the mother's arms. Now, this did not deter her. The woman continued up uh, berating the police, I mean the photographer and her, the husband. The mother started to shout at the lady about her aggression upsetting the child. It was a very bad scene. No arrest was made. As a matter of fact, Miss Neely, believe it or not, she um, apologized. She wrote, a week ago I let my emotions overtake my better self. She said that on a video on YouTube. She went further and said, I apologize for the bottom, from the bottom of my heart to my family, friends, neighbors, and fellow Houstonians. I ask for forgiveness and understanding. I love Houston and ask that we come together to heal, and I extend my hand in friendship. Well, those are nice words, but again, we have white women acting, how would you say it, badly. Why did this woman, as I understand it, 
she had hollered at other people before who were taking pictures in the park, which she didn't own. But this was the first time that she really got out and confronted people. Was it because they had a mixed-race child? Was it because they were a mixed married couple? The husband is white. The wife is African-American. I don't know. However, it's just another type of racism that we're seeing in this this country since we've had our new President Trump in office. It seems as if white people want to do whatever they can. It gets on their nerves, and they feel they can get away with anything. Not good. I hope we don't have many more of these incidents, but you never know. Her name was Francie Neely. She's a Houston socialite. Now, the next story here just shows we can't get away from blackface. Here's the headline. Louisiana cops wore blackface to sell drugs and posed for photographs. <laughs> the story goes on to say that a Louisiana police chief issued a formal apology after 25 years or after a 25-year-old yearbook photo surfaced of an undercover sting in which white police officers wore blackface to sell crack to black people. <laughs> yes, police departments do have yearbooks. At least they do in Baton Rouge where all of this occurred. Uh, in their 1993 yearbook, there was a feature on two officers, Crime Stoppers Coordinator Lieutenant Don Stone and retired police captain Frankie Caruso. There are pictures of them posing in blackface as they throw up gang size gang signs above a caption that says, quote, Soul Brothers, end quote. Now, the newspaper reports that while the chief at the time called the operation very successful, the current Baton Rouge police chief, a fellow by the name of uh, Murphy Paul, issued an apology about the photo. He says, quote, blackface photographs are inappropriate and offensive. I agree. They were inappropriate then and are inappropriate today. The Baton Rouge Police Department would like to apologize to our citizens and to anyone who may have been offended by the photographs. Caruso and the police chief at that time, Greg Fires, have reportedly defended the decision to have white officers dressing in blackface. They said it was done only with the intent to get drugs off the street and not to degrade or make fun of black people. Uh-huh. During the 1993 operation, Caruso and Stone used makeup to darken their skin because even though they were black officers on Baton Rouge Force, police, police officials thought that black people in the community might recognize them. Well, again, to me, this is one of the silliest things I've ever heard. White police officers dressing up in blackface to arrest black people after selling them crack. <laughs> That's some kind of law enforcement. <laughs> well, blackface is denigrating uh, black people, African Americans. It wasn't good then, and it ain't good now, but it seems like it won't completely go away. Let's talk about something better. I don't know if any of you saw the Oscars on Sunday. I like the Oscars because I like movies. Go to a lot of movies, as a matter of fact. 
And uh, what we know is that the black excellence was on display this past Sunday night at the Oscars as six major awards went to black people, including for the first time a win for Spike Lee for the adapted screenplay of Black Klansman. If you haven't seen it, you should. Regina King and Marshala, Maharshala Ali swept the best supporting category for their work in If, if, if Be- Beale Street Could Talk and Green Book, respectively. Ruth Carter was a first-time Oscar winner for costume design for Black Panther, and so was Hannah Bechtler for production design, also for Black Panther. Green Book, the controversial movie starring Ali along with Viggo Mortensen, won the best picture. Many critics said it was rife with racial stereotypes, but I reported to you several weeks ago that this was a great picture, and it had Oscar written all over it. I was right. I see a lot of movies, so I called this one. I thought Green Book would win an Academy Award, and it certainly did. Best movie of the year. If you haven't seen it, please do. Now, Spike Lee won his first competitive Oscar while the Motion Picture Academy spread around awards of other uh, superhero sensation movie Black Panther, and uh, the movie Roma got some awards. That was about um, indigenous people in Mexico who do lowly jobs. Spike Lee gave a nice speech upon getting his award. He thanked his grandmother for giving him money to go to college and to film school. He talked about... He hopes people go out and vote in the 2020 election. He says, hate out of, he said, vote out of love and not out of hate. Now, there has been some talk about this speech that uh, Mr. Spike Lee gave because the day after the uh, Oscars, Donald Trump tweeted that Miss Spike Lee's short speech was racist, although Mr. Trump's name was never cited. There's no mention of President Trump, yet he saw himself at the center of this controversy. As a matter of fact, he went, he tweeted, be nice, it would be nice if Spike Lee could read the notes or better not have to use notes at all when doing his racist hit on your president who has done more for African-Americans, criminal justice reform, lowest unemployment numbers in history, tax cuts, etc., than almost any other president. Now, again, I don't know what's in Donald Trump's mind. Is it just the fact that any black person who says something about them, he has to denigrate their intelligence and talk badly about them, even though his name is not mentioned? Maybe he knows that he has not been the best president for African-American people or for anyone else other than himself. But Trump is Trump. I pay homage to all the people who won Oscars, particularly those of African-American descent. Keep up the good work. I like going to movies. They're a good escape. Here is some other news that is not good 
but probably most of you have heard about. As a matter of fact, it's very chilling. We learned uh, last week that a Coast Guard lieutenant was arrested after making his hit list that included a number of prominent Democrats and newscasters. Have you heard about that? Well, the authorities say that he is a domestic terrorist who drafted an email discussing biological attacks and had what appeared to be a hit list that include prominent Democrats and media figures, prosecutors said in court. His name, Christopher Paul Hassan. He's going to be in court later in the few weeks. There may be other counts against against him. He is an avowed white supremacist. He is a domestic terrorist bent on committing acts dangerous to human life that are intended to affect government conduct, say, prosecutors. Now, Hassan, who works at the Coast Guard's headquarters in Washington, has espoused extremist views for years, according to prosecutors. Court papers detail a June 2017 email in which he wrote that he was dreaming of a way to kill almost every last person on Earth and pondering how he might be able to acquire anthrax and toxins to create botulism or deadly influenza. As a matter of fact, in September of 2017, Hassan sent himself a draft letter that he had written to a neo-Nazi leader and identified himself as a white nationalist for over 30 years and advocated for focused violence in order to establish a white homeland. <laughs> Hansen also expressed admiration for Russia, looking to Russia with hopeful eyes or any land that despises the West's liberalism. He wrote that in a draft email. Now, the whole catch is he's writing all of this on a government-issued computer in the headquarters of the Coast Guard in Washington, D.C. Just horrible. People on the list to be killed that were found on his computer are House Speaker Nancy Pelosi, Senate Leader Chuck Schumer, Presidential Hopefuls Kirsten Gillibrand, Elizabeth Warren, Cory Booker, and Kamala Harris. The list also included John Podesta, who was Hillary Clinton's campaign chairman, along with Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, Maxine Waters, Beto O'Rourke, NBC's Chris Hayes and Joe Scarborough, and Chris Cuomo and Van Jones. Now, further evidence that this guy is a kook. Hassan appeared to be a chronic user of the opioid painkiller Tramadol, and had purchased a flask filled with four ounces of synthetic urine. He bought it online, prosecutors say. Authorities suspect he purchased fake urine to use in case he was randomly selected for a drug test while working for the Coast Guard. This is a bad fellow. He really is. I don't know what else they're going to charge him with, but his own writings don't make him a person who should get bail. This is Birdsong. That's my opinion. There's more to tell you. Let me talk about some of the good stuff. We had some birthdays this past week. 
First of all, Smokey Robinson. Smokey Robinson began his career in the 1950s while in high school, later becoming part of the Motown Records. Today uh, is the talented singer, songwriter, and producer's birthday. Actually, it was on February 19th. He was born in Detroit, Michigan. His first group, group was known as the Matadors. Uh, and they got a little fame around Detroit, and there was a chance meeting with record producer Barry Gordy, who took them in. He changed the name of the group to The Miracles. Robinson and Gordy would embark on a prolific hit-making journey that dominated the 1960s. Chief in success of The Miracles was the songwriting talent of Smokey Robinson. Believe it or not, his writing credits include writing or co-writing over 4,000 songs, 37 of these top 40 hit songs. Some of these, tr uh, tr some of these tracks include Shop Around, You Really Got a Hold on Me, and uh, he's written songs for Marvin Gaye, The Temptations, and Mary Wells. In 1998, Smokey Robinson won the first Grammy Award for Best Male R&B Vocal Performance for a song called Just to See Her, and he went on to win the Grammy Legend and Grammy Lifetime Achievement Awards in 1991 and 1999. He was inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 1987. Prolific guy, writing 4,000 songs. Isn't that something? All right. Also, I have to pay homage to another person who had a birthday in the last week or so. It's U.S. Congressman John Lewis. He served as a congressman since 1987 and remains one of the most prominent and active members of Congress. His birthday uh, was the 22nd, I think, of this year. He was born in 1940 in Troy, Alabama, to sharecropper parents. He attended the American Baptist Theological Seminar and Fisk University in Nashville, Tennessee. While in the city, he joined the peaceful lunch counter sit-ins of the 1960s, and uh, he got into civil rights activism. He went on to be one of the freedom riders and the freedom riders in the 1960s, and in 1963, he became the chairman of SNCC. He aligned himself with the Reverend Martin Luther King and others. He was one of the protesters who were assaulted by angry right mobs during the bloody Sunday march in Selma, Alabama in 1965. Despite suffering a fractured skull in the event, his spirit was not broken. In 1981, John Lewis entered the world of politics after winning an Atlanta City Council seat in 1986. He was elected to Congress, where he has remained ever since. Lewis represents Georgia's 5th District and has been a vocal opponent of President Donald Trump, while also continuing to be a voice for health care reform, education, and voting rights. That's the news that I want you to know about this week for the African-American community. This is Birdsong. There's more. Stick with me. Hello, folks. This is Birdsong back with you. Talk to you about some news of interest in the African-American community. Now we have a guest 
He's been on before. His name is William Francovilla. I call him Bill because he's such a nice guy. He knows a lot about scams, and today he's going to tell us a little bit about home repair scams. You know, up north, there have been fro- frozen pipes and lots of problems because of the brutal winter weather. Brutal winter weather opens the door for unscrupulous home repair people. Bill, I'd like you to tell us why thieves or how thieves know their victims' vulnerabilities and seek opportunities to steal their money. Hello, Leonard. It's always a pleasure to be with you. I hope you are well, and uh, I'm so happy to be invited to uh, participate in this very important conversation. As we recall... Um, the, the bad guys are always looking for vulnerability, as, yep. as I heard you mention in the open. This is a p- position where oftentimes we as homeowners um, may find ourselves very, very infrequently. Uh, a pipe bursts. Uh, maybe there's a hurricane or a flood, as we've seen in, in, in Houston and in our southeastern states. That's when they prey upon the vulnerable population. Remembering that um, it's always going to be uh, very upsetting when something happens to your home. If you have no more power or if you uh, a, a pipe bursts in your example or there's some damage to the roof, we are in a panic mode and That's we right. want a response. We want someone to come help us, someone to come fix us. Well, the bad guys know this as well. So they position themselves as being the people whom they might be able to provide services to. Now, um, there's a couple of different uh, larger terms or main groups. There's the woodchuck and there's the traveler. Isn't that interesting that they have their own names, Leonard? The woodchuck and the travelers, huh? Oh, yeah. yeah. Now, the woodchuck, they're the organization that are local. Um, they're bad guys. They are not reputed contractors by any means. And actually, if they find someone who is vulnerable, they will pass that person's name, phone number, address onto one of their, uh, their cohorts who might be fixing gutters or something. Uh, the best way to describe the uh, woodchuck is someone who, uh, uh, leaves a message in your mailbox, knocks on your door, says, Hey, I am doing some, work for the bird songs down the road here, and I notice that your lane needs some attention. I notice that there's some wood uh, mold or wood rot around some of your windows. This is uh-huh. what I do, I, and uh, the fact that I'm here in the neighborhood, I can offer you a special discount. Uh, let me get started. Okay. 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 Yeah, I get, I get it. I get it. That's the yeah, wood chuck. Yeah, they've, nope. they've knocked on your door. They've knocked on my door. Yeah, uh, they've knocked on my door. I'll tell you. <laughs> <laughs> tell them to but go now, away. But now, 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 let me let me just ask this, Bill. Are they generally preying on older people when you say vulnerable, or is it just people who are in a bad shape because everything's falling down around them because of some disaster? Uh, uh, very astute question. They are going to prey on older people who are going to be a little suspicious and very fearful. Uh, that's their favorite target by all means. Um, uh, however, uh, during a situation uh, such as we, well, let's use a recent example down in Houston. They had charities that was springing up all over town. 
Right. Uh, Houston Relief, you donate to this uh, cause, and we're helping your neighbors with all the uh, corrections and all the improvements that need to be made to their homes and so on and so forth. But the place was invaded with the second type of uh, a bad guy. They're called the Travelers. Right. And the Travelers are from out of town. And th- this is a cottage industry whereby they actually um, – uh, uh, anticipating a flood or a problem, uh, they move to that area with their pickup trucks. And they right. say, well, we're in town. Uh, we know you have some uh, damage to your roof. This is what we do. We're happy to uh, take care of it for you. W- when we had hurricanes here in southeastern Virginia uh, several years ago, uh, we had damage sustained to our house. And you, I, I swear, you, you look around at the number of out-of-state pickup trucks that were uh, all around the area, there's a huge premium to the cost. They are going to jack the price up significantly. Now, here's I'm what sure, I, but... I would like to... No, I'm go on, right. Leonard. I was going to uh, caution uh, your listeners to be very, very careful. When you feel vulnerable and you feel a little bit threatened and you, ha- uh, you have some immediate concerns, back off. 12 hours, 24 hours. Think about it. Make some right. phone calls. Call the Better Business Bureau. Hey, I just got called by Smith & Sons. Uh, they're contractors, and they say they can fix my, my my home. Be very cautious of upfront money. Yep, now, that's it, what I wanted tra- to get to. Oh, man, you got that right. It, it is traditional that we pay contractors about a third upfront, and maybe that second third halfway through the job, and then we hold out. Uh, till it's finished and we complete our, our payment with that final third. Well, they're going to ask you for as much as they can up front. Hopefully they're going to come back and hopefully they're going to complete their job and it's going to be fair and square. But there are so many cases whereby they'll take that first check and you'll never see them again. They're the travelers. Yeah, I, they're gone. That's what I figure. But now do they, do they get people to sign a contract? Well, uh, no, and they should, and and the the homeowner should expect that a contract be signed. You should also expect to ask about um, their their level of insurance. Are they bonded? Uh, do they have a rating or a reputation with the Better Business Bureau? Are there other homeowners whom I can call to verify uh, that you all are who you say you are? Um, yeah. Those are some of the precautions that we as homeowners can take. And should take because home repair, Leonard, as, as you and I discussed briefly last time, it's one of the six top scams in America. It's, it's, it's embarrassing, but people are praying and taking advantage of people who are in that vulnerable position. Yeah, you know, I, when you talk about vulnerable, I also, I, I don't know. I live in Florida now. I've lived in most of my life in Washington, D.C. Uh, this is the first, not the first place I've seen hurricanes, but hurricanes can be really devastating. And I've noticed some of what you notice that people from out of town, you see these mm-hmm. licenses on pickup trucks from out of town, you know, and you I figured that there's something wrong there. In, in Houston, I heard about all of these charities that started, and I wondered, it was sort of my former federal prosecutor instinct, some of this must be phony. <laughs> you're, you're, you're a cop at heart, and good for you. And you're, doing, you're doing your listeners a great service. 
because just exposing so many of these scams and talking about it and having an invigorating conversation about how people can lose money, it's just healthy. It's education. It's healthy. We need more of it, that's for sure. You're absolutely right. And we hope that there won't be too many more disasters. Did you get your roof fixed, uh, fixed when you had those uh, storms up there? Oh, boy, we did. And I, I was in that very position that I described. You're looking at a hole in the roof, or you're looking at, oh, my goodness, three large trees laying on top of your house. Right. My wife is in tears, and I'm very upset. And it's, yep. it's raining, and there's water getting in, and you want to respond, you want to react uh, very quickly. Um, we, we were fortunate to have a friend who was a contractor. I uh, lived down the road, and we called him, and he came over and took care of it right away. But that, that wasn't the last of it because um, there were several other people throughout the ensuing weeks who w- w- would knock on the, uh, the, the door and say, hey, we're from XYZ Contracting, and uh, I know you should still have some trees laying down. We can cut these up and car- cart them away. Um, and, and I politely declined. I said, you know what, we've got it taken care of. Thank you for stopping by. Move on. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Yeah, I yeah. I have before you go on. I mean, I had an an occurrence. We had a hurricane back in 2004 down here that blew through Orlando, the Orlando area where we live, and there wasn't a lot of damage to our house, but there was damage in our neighborhood, and the electricity was off for a couple of weeks. The doggone thing is, this was in August, and I had uh, gotten. I'd taken an offer to teach in uh, North Carolina for a semester as a visiting professor, and I had to leave my wife without any uh. electricity. <laughs> and uh, she was smart enough, though, to you know not get sucked into any of these deals. We didn't have much damage in our property, but all around us there were trees down and that sort of thing. But I felt so bad having to leave, uh, but I'd already signed a contract. <laughs> I understand. Of course, I understand. And your wife stuck with you? Yeah, she stuck with me. It was it was only for a semester. They needed someone on an emergency basis to teach something that they had a Supreme Court justice in North Carolina that usually taught this course at... Um, at the uh, university, and she got sick. So my oh, dean boy. knew their dean, so they asked for me to come. But anyway, I got back, and uh, the real problem is that we had three more hurricanes that same season. <laughs> oh, oh, I, I hate hurricanes. Hurricane season, we always hold our breath, and we say a little prayer and say, oh, Lord, please save us from this. <laughs> That's exactly right. You know, I live down in the Virgin Islands, for a year, I was a special prosecutor down there at the Justice Department, and they have two holidays. One is before hurricane season starts, you go to church and pray that there won't be a hurricane. And after the hurricane season, everyone goes to church and thank God they're still alive after the hurricane. Oh my wow, wow. You, have, you have an interesting background. It's always a pleasure to speak to you, Leonard. And you, I'm happy to be your guest anytime, please. All right, you too, Bill. It's good to talk to you. Now, you got your book. I always like, since I'm sort of a author, I write humor books, you might know. But mm-hmm. uh, I like people yeah. who write books. You have, uh, your book is about the Madoffs Among Us, Combat the Scammers, Con Artists, Con Artists and Thieves Who Are Plotting to Steal Your Money. I hope it's selling well. 
You know, I'm very pleased. It's doing quite well. It's on Amazon, Barnes & Noble. People just have to Google the Madoffs Among Us. You'll be interested, Leonard. I wrote, uh, I've written Bernie Madoff, who's down in uh, Butner, Federal yep. Penitentiary. I'm North, Carol- North Carolina. Yeah, you got it. You got it. And yesterday I wrote him another letter, and I sent him a copy of the book. And I said, hey, Bernie, come on, man. Let me come talk to you. Uh, you would be a wonderful guest. I think Bernie Madoff, I think you would be a marvelous guest helping people who might be scammed. So hmm. he has, he's never responded to me before. Maybe he'll do it this time. We'll see. Hope springs eternal, Bill. <laughs> you bet. You bet. It's really good talking to you. I hope we can talk to you in the future, okay? Got to sign be off. my pleasure, and I look forward to meeting you sometime you up here uh, Virginia, North Carolina, or I'm in Orlando. I'd love to have lunch with you. All right. You notify me before you come, and we'll get together. Right, right now, you. say goodbye to you. Have a good week and a good weekend. This is Birdsong. Just finished talking with Bill Francavilla about scams that homeowners should know about after this brutal winter or if you live where there are hurricanes. There's more to come. Stick with us. Hello, folks. Thanks for sticking with us. This is Birdsong again. Uh, you're on with me. We are having what I think a good show. Told you some news that might be interesting to the African-American community. And we talked uh, to our guest, Bill Francovilla, about scams and how you should avoid them. And now here at the end of the month, I've got some news tidbits. This is what I've been doing. Very often I read some of my dumb criminal law stories that I collect and have been collecting for years. As a matter of fact, I have several books that you can buy on Amazon.com. But at the end of the month, I read some news tidbits. These are short stories, but they're true. Most people haven't heard of them. The first story is about what? Blackface. The headline. Florida Paul, sorry for blackface, the story. Florida's former top elections official in later uh, later uh, January of this year apologized for dressing in blackface as Hurricane Katrina victim more than a week after he resigned when photos of his Halloween costume were made public. His name, Michael Ertel, who was Florida's Secretary of State for less than three weeks He said in a personal Facebook post that what he did in 2005 was stupid and that he is a better man than he was 14 years ago. For those who have not received a personal apology yet, I'm sorry, he wrote. Before he was appointed Secretary of State by the new governor, Ron DeSantis, Ertel was the election supervisor in Seminole County, a suburb of Orlando, Florida. Blackface. He dressed up like a Katrina victim in blackface, dressed up as a woman. I don't know why white people have to do this. It ain't funny at all. Next story. Headline. End to high school booby prize. A Wisconsin high school is ending cheerleading awards given annually to girls with the largest breasts or butts. Officials at Trimper High School in Kenosha, Wisconsin, had claimed that the awards called Big Booty and Big Booby 
and string bean for the thinnest cheerleader were meant as a joke at an annual recognizing the most improved and hardest working cheerleaders. But after complaints from parents of the ACLU of Wisconsin and a former school track coach, the district decided to end the booby awards. That's what they're called, booby prizes. <laughs> the biggest booty, huh? And the biggest boobies. Oh, there's always something. Here's a better story. Shark genes may soon take a bite out of cancer. Great white sharks have miraculous self-repairing DNA that protects them from the deadly disease. Scientists want to use it to cure ailing humans, according to a new study. In the first ever mapping of the predator's genes, researchers revealed superhuman mutations that evolved from centuries of ruling the animal kingdom. So we might have sharks' DNA helping people with cancer. Always something new under the sun. Next story, the headline. Those are some big pants to fill. A South American department store broke a Guinness World Record by making the world's largest pair of jeans. 215 feet tall and 140 feet wide, about the height of a 22-story building. The denim trousers made by 50 people over six months are on display in the Mall de Sur in San Juan de Miraflores, Peru. So if you get to Peru, you might want to go there and see the biggest pants in the world. <laughs> My question is, why? <laughs> why would they do this? <laughs> All right. I've never been to Hong Kong. I used to work with a guy when I was in the State Department who had been stationed in Hong Kong. I've never been there myself. But here's a little story from Hong Kong. There are these are real bulls in a China shop, says the headline. These are real bulls in a China shop. It's been reported that wild cattle broke into a Hong Kong grocery store, hoofed it to the produce section, and gobbled down piles of fruit and vegetables. More than 1,100 feral bovines roam the streets of Hong Kong. This is in February of this year. I never thought of Hong Kong with a place of 1,100 feral bovines roaming the streets. <laughs> Be careful when you get to Hong Kong, huh? Now, here's a strange one. I used to be a law professor for many years and many many meetings and uh, faculty meetings I had to attend. Here's a story. Headline reads, A Nazi salute professor gets canned. A Connecticut professor was fired for reportedly shouting, Sieg Heil, and giving a Nazi salute at the faculty meeting. Charles Mayrick was fired on a Thursday in January this year by the Housatonic Community College in Bridgeport, Connecticut, after an investigation found he had committed serious misconduct. Merrick himself couldn't be reached for comment, says the Associated Press, but he lost his job. Nazi salute, Professor gets canned. I don't know why anyone would want to yell Sig Heil in a Nazi salute in a faculty meeting. <laughs> what was he trying to tell his colleagues? I don't know. 
Another story about sharks that you may not have heard. Jaws chill out, says the headline. Far fewer shark bites were reported worldwide last year, the University of Florida researchers said this past week. 66 bites were documented in 2018 compared with 88 bites the previous year. Four of the bites were fatal and 32 in, were in U.S. waters, according to the university's international shark attack file. I'd like to take a look at that file. Sounds real interesting. <laughs> Here's a nice little story from Florida. Remember the old knock-knock jokes? Here's one. Knock-knock. Who's there? Ollie. Nope. Knock-knock. Who's there? Allie. Allie who? Alligator. <laughs> Alligator was the terrifying answer Jerry Staples of Merritt Island, Florida, got when peeking out of a window. She saw that the visitor pounding on her front door was a 10-foot-long, 350-pound alligator. Alligator. <laughs> a 9-11 call brought a trapper who killed the reptile after a struggle. Guess that big an animal would put up a fight. Alligator. <laughs> Here's a strange little story. It just so happens... <clears throat> that uh, the president is meeting with Kim Jong-un of North Korea this week. The headline reads, Kim Jong-un has a strange taste in fashion. The North Korean leader launched a line of edible outdoor clothing that can be eaten to avoid starvation, according to reports. The duds, which include coats and shirts for mountain climbers, are made of all natural ingredients, including proteins, amino acids, and fruit juice. <laughs> when does Kim Jong-un have time to come up with these kinds of fashions? I'll never know. Matter of fact, many of his people are starving. They need the clothes themselves. All right, our last story for today. You've probably heard the old line, it's not news when Dog bites man, but it is news when man bites dog. And here's the story. Man bites dog. A Virginia man hit, bit his dog and an off-duty FBI agent, leaving both with minor injuries. Now, this happened uh, in February, early February this year. His name, Corey Michael Phillips. He's 31 of Manassas, Virginia, naked and apparently intoxicated allegedly struggled with police and bit the agent who had stopped to help arrest him. Phillips had bitten his dog earlier, police said. We do not know why he bit the dog. <laughs> Those are your news tidbits for the week. They're all true and um, probably hadn't heard them, but I wanted you to know about them. Here are three riddles. Three riddles. First riddle. What do dentists do during earthquakes? What do dentists do during earthquakes? Second riddle. What has a head and a tail but no legs? Finally, well, I'll say it again. What has a head and a tail but no legs? The final riddle. How can you tell if a vampire has been in a bakery? How can you tell if a vampire has been in a bakery? Well, at the end of the show, I'll give you the answers if you can't figure these out, okay? This is Birdsong. Stick with us. There's still some more. Don't go away. I'll be right back.
Hi, folks. This is Birdsong back with you. I've enjoyed the show today. I hope you're enjoying it. You know, I like to read about Paul Harvey's story, stories. His last book is called For What It's Worth. These are stories that were sent to Paul Harvey while he was still with us and doing the news. This story comes from Altoona, Pennsylvania. That's where TV anchorman Brandon Brooks demonstrated for his TV viewers how to protect their homes from burglars. He used his own home to demonstrate. Double locks on doors. Windows that will not open from the outside. Burglar alarms. Now it appears that thieves were watching the program. They not only learned where the double locks were, but where the TV set was and the VCR and the furniture and other things. Some nights later, while Brandon Brooks was on the air back at the studio, the thieves broke into his house and cleaned him out. That window that won't open from the outside, they smashed it. (laughs) Oh, God, what an interesting little story. All right, the answers to the riddles. I told you I'd tell you at the end of the show. The first riddle. What do dentists do during earthquakes? What do dentists do during earthquakes? Well, they brace themselves. (laughs) Second riddle. What has a head and a tail but no legs? What has a head, a tail, but no legs? Well, the answer is a penny. It has a head and a tail but no legs. Finally. How can you tell if a vampire has been in a bakery? How can you tell if a vampire has been in a bakery? Well, the answer, if you haven't figured out, you know he's been in the bakery because the jelly has been sucked out of all the donuts. (laughs) Cute, huh? (laughs) All right, folks, it's been great being here with you. I want to leave you with some words of wisdom what I call my thought for the week. If you go to work on your goals, your goals will go to work on you. If you go to work on your plan, your plan will go to work on you. Whatever good things we build end up building us. Think about that. This is Birdsong, signing off. Hope you have a great week. Talk to you next time, folks. Bye-bye.